Welcome to the Bailu Podcast. Please note the information in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Nick Burgess. Uh, there is a lot going on in the world of economics, COVID-19, financial markets uh, around the world. So I thought it was worthwhile checking in with our Chief Investment Officer, Malcolm Wood, once again. Mal, welcome back to the ELNC Bailey podcast. Thanks, Nick. So lots of data, particularly over the last few days. Let's go around the grounds. Firstly, uh, the US. So the US has just uh, finished or um, largely completed the uh, reporting season. What were your mm-hmm. thoughts from uh, the latest US reporting season? Yeah, Nick, the US reporting season was substantially better than expected. I think when we see companies withdraw guidance like they did in uh, uh, in COVID-19, uh, analysts tend to take a conservative view on earnings and the companies have handsomely beaten that. So uh, as of uh, the weekend, uh, we'd had, uh, I think, 73% of US market had reported and earnings were, believe it or not, 23% better than expected, 81% of companies beating. There's a lot of press saying that big four tech's dominating and clearly that was very strong. Revenues up 18, earnings up 27. But having said that, uh, even before those companies reported, these earnings were coming in substantially better than expected. So it's been a pretty good reporting season when you consider that we had second quarter GDP come out. The Americans talk in terms of annual rate. The annual rate was minus 32.9%. Think about that for a moment. The way we talk about it, it was minus 9.5% quarter on quarter and year on year. So in the context of that sort of decline in GDP, earnings declines, yes, they've been large around 30%, but they haven't been the absolute wipeout that you might otherwise have thought. Yeah, okay. And then, um, so you mentioned the big four tech companies and obviously uh, their performance has helped push the NASDAQ to record highs, the tech-focused index over there. The other side of the economy, uh, manufacturing and those sorts of things. So the ISM survey uh, was out uh, recently, Mal. So firstly, um, tell our audience what that means and, uh, and what was the data showing? Yeah, so the ISM survey is a survey of purchasing managers in uh, a multitude of companies in the United States. It's a very broad-based survey. I think it was started immediately after the war. It's got a phenomenal track record. And uh, the July survey was, again, better than expected, 54.2. Now, this is a diffusion index. So it's talking about companies that are seeing business improve less companies that are seeing business deteriorate. And that has uh, gone back into solidly positive territory. A couple of the sub-indices, one on new orders was 61.5. That's a very good number by historic standards, well above average. So the picture is one of dramatic decline in March, April, dramatic recovery in May, June, July. Uh, the net of that is probably going to be industrial production down, but nothing like uh, the dramatic declines we've seen earlier. So probably a modest decline year on year would be my thought. 
So overall, positive news uh, across a number of indicators that you've mentioned from the US market. At the same time, um, COVID cases across some of the most popular states appear to be, well, I'm not sure whether you'd call it a second wave or just a stubborn uh, first wave. Are there any concerns there that that will detract from the economic outlook over the next three to six months in your view? I think there's been a lot of concerns and you know I've shared them that uh, COVID accelerating in the big southern and western states, you know, Texas, Florida, California is a major concern and has certainly slowed down reopening. But I think we're talking about a couple of unique features of this cycle in the United States. One is the ability of the American uh, economy and people to seemingly look through COVID-19. That's a differentiator versus other markets, particularly ours, in my view. Uh, Secondly, um, there's this sort of wave factor to what's happened in the US. So the northeastern states, which were hit pretty hard initially, seem to be doing better now. And so there's been a wave feature to it uh, as well. Uh, but I think the other thing to bear in mind here is this is really disproportionately impacting services parts of economies. And what we've talked about just a moment ago was the manufacturing side, uh, which has rebounded uh, a lot better than one would have thought. So there's a sort of some unusual nuances about what's going on in the US. Okay, let's turn our attention to Europe. There were some GDP figures out from Europe as well over the last few days, and they uh, made for some reasonably grim reading, mm-hmm. I suspect. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so uh, second quarter, US, uh, European GDP was down 12.1% in the quarter, 15% year on year. So that same number in the US was minus 9.5. It's minus 15 in Europe. I'm sure we'll come to talk about China, but in China, the sign is different. Uh, so dramatic differences. And you know, the worst of those was Spain down 22% year on year. Obviously, Spain was really the epicentre of COVID-19 in Europe and faced some really harsh lockdowns. Uh, Italy down 17, France down 19, Germany relatively better down 11.7. So widespread dramatic declines in GDP in Europe. They also are starting to see uh, a bit of a recovery uh, they're manufacturing PMI, same sort of thing as the US ISM uh, for July was 51.8. Uh, so that was a 18-month high for, for Europe. Uh, but coming out of a pretty dramatic decline, that's uh, just going to take a little longer for Europe to recover. Yeah, so not nearly as, uh, as strong or as, as rapid as we're seeing out of the US, is that fair to say? Yes, yes. So deeper decline in Europe. So a diffusion index tells you, are things better than they were last month? Yes, the answer is yes. But you're coming from a much lower starting point. Okay. And you mentioned China, um, the Asian region as a whole. How is that faring? Well, Asia, of course, has uh, ironically handled COVID-19 far better than other regions. Uh, ironic in that it obviously emanated from China. Uh, but also uh, showing first-in, first-out uh, characteristics. So China's uh, GDP for the second quarter was positive 3.2% year-on-year. Now, China obviously grows faster than other economies in general, but that is a fantastic rebound from minus 68 in the first quarter. And 
Again, it would appear that that has continued on. The July PMIs for, uh, for China were uh, pretty healthy, uh, well over 50 and consistent with ongoing recovery there. So uh, China certainly at the, the head of the pack, uh, but we've also seen very good recoveries in Korea and Taiwan, among others. And that brings us back to uh, to Australia. So obviously, um, Victoria in the last or is in the process at the moment of entering stage four restrictions, but other areas of the country um, are faring relatively well. So the overall economic uh, picture for Australia at the moment, Mal? Yes, so uh, we were very much of the view of a V-shaped recovery in Australia, given uh, one, we'd, we had handled COVID-19 particularly well in a global sense. Uh, two, our policy response has been very good Uh, particularly fiscal, uh, but also a healthy monetary policy response. And and finally, our positioning is just uh, really fortuitous. Uh, We talked in passing about the relative outperformance of Asia versus other regions. And of course, 85% of our exports go to that region. Uh, So that positions us extremely well. We've got a farm sector recovering from the drought tourism that actually should be a positive for us, ironically enough, as well. So in many ways, we should be doing better. And uh, uh, the Victorian uh, lockdown will slow that, but I don't think stop that uh, recovery. So uh, a six-week hiatus. Uh, But I guess, as you said, Nick, it's important to bear in mind that this is unlike the first wave, which was across the whole country and led to shutdowns across the whole country. This is very much Victoria-focused, and that's about 20% of the economy. So uh, I think we, we should have the wherewithal to, to, uh, to work our way through this. Okay, and we're about to head into, we started off the conversation talking about the US reporting season drawing to a, po- to a positive close. We're about to head into the reporting season um, in Australia. Any um, thoughts from that perspective, Mal? So I think a little bit like the US where we've seen some big divergences uh, in reports from companies, we'll have the same here. It might be a bit cheeky to say this, but our equivalent to those US tech stocks in this instance is our major mining stocks uh, because uh, we've had this perhaps somewhat unique set of circumstances where the iron ore market, the gold uh, markets, even copper, uh, has ha- have performed extraordinarily well, but particularly iron ore, which of course is our largest export by some ways. And uh, iron ore prices have rallied because of China's recovery and uh, problems with supply out of Brazil, our major competitor. Brazil being very hard hit by COVID-19, uh, but also gold on the whole uh, global fear and uh, concern driving the gold price to record levels. So our mining sector's actually done remarkably well. On the other side, you could look at some of the sort of what I'd call domestic cyclicals who've been adversely affected by the lockdowns and shutdowns, the most extreme being the the travel, tourism-oriented stocks, you know, Flight Centre, Webjet, these sorts of names, extreme examples of that. But others who've been affected by the lockdowns like the casinos, uh, some of the discretionary retailers uh, would be at the other extreme. Uh, the banks are probably a little on the 
on the uh, the negative end of that insofar as they're being pressured by APRA to significantly increase their uh, provisioning against possible bad debts as well as uh, cut their dividends. And, of course, that's led to significant bank underperformance. Uh, but I do think that some of our healthcare names will do well. Uh, some of our um, hard goods retailers, particularly the supermarkets, but also the likes of uh, the uh, electronics and um, white goods retailers will also do particularly well. So it'll be very much uh, uh, depending on where you are as to how you perform, uh, where you are in the economy as to how you will perform. But uh, where we again think like has occurred in the United States, that analysts will be on the conservative side and companies will come in on the healthy side vis-a-vis that consensus. Okay, just a couple of other things, Mal. Uh, You uh, released in a report last week um, a note entitled What Are Bond Yields Telling Us? And you noted a difference in the way that the bond market and the equity market are pricing uh, the outlook. So what are the implications of of that analysis uh, for our listeners in your view? Yes, so I guess we're all feeling the impact of zero interest rates. Uh, So the Reserve Bank, as did every other major central bank in the world, cut rates to zero or effective zero during the downturn in March. And bond yields, uh, which is where governments borrow money over the longer term, as much as 10 years, maybe even longer, they also fell to extremely low levels. In Australia's case, uh, well below 1%, something never seen before. and uh, But since the recovery has started to happen in markets and in economies since late March, those bond yields haven't sold off. So there hasn't been a lift in bond yields. So what's going on? And of the explanations, there's uh, three key ones that we pointed to in our note. One is that there's a double-dip recession coming. So this would be there's a second wave that we struggle to main, uh, control or there's a, um, a policy error. Uh, we think that is unlikely, but it is uh, a tail risk in our view. Uh, then there's uh, the view that equity markets are just overextended, expensive. Um, and on that score, we would argue that we should be looking beyond the trough here to look at what uh, valuations look like in a recovery scenario. On that score, we think our market and emerging markets still look very attractive. Uh, but we think the most likely scenario that explains this dichotomy, apparent dichotomy, is the actions of central banks. So central banks are saying here and everywhere else that they will keep interest rates at these extremely low levels for an extended period of time, well into the recovery. So we think that uh, equity markets uh, are pricing in recovery and that i.e. that that policy will work, whilst bond markets are pricing to policy. So they're saying, yes, the central banks are going to keep rates at zero. So we'll assume that that's the sort of returns we'll get in uh, in bond markets. So that to us is the most logical of the explanations. So what does that mean for us as investors? Well, equities, other things being equal, are going to perform better, particularly compared to defensive assets like cash and bonds, which are going to earn us close to zero. So we think that our equity bias is something that clients should certainly be focused on going forward uh, from here. 
Okay, thank you for that. And you mentioned uh, some cuts to bank dividends, so we'll be picking that up in another podcast uh, shortly in terms of um, how to think about dividend income over the next three to six months. Uh, let's finish off, Mal, uh, as we often do with your um, preferred asset allocation at the moment. Yes, yeah, so uh, we think that uh, uh, we still see good value in equity markets, uh, particularly Australia. Uh, we think that uh, now represents, I know it's, uh, it's, it's uh, nasty, particularly in Victoria, uh, but we think this does represent a good buying opportunity for investors who can look beyond the lockdown to uh, what we think will be a pretty robust recovery. Uh, so we're overweight Australia. We're overweight emerging markets, uh, some of those who are leading the recovery, uh, as we've noted earlier. Uh, the rest of international markets were about equal weight. Uh, so uh, overall, overweight, what we call growth assets or equities, underweight fixed income bonds, what we were just talking about with bond yields extraordinarily low. Uh, we're about uh, equal weight cash, uh, looking for opportunities to deploy some of that into equity markets if we do see uh, a more material pullback. Uh, so that's where we're positioned at the moment. Okay, Mal, thank you very much. Good to catch up. All the best. Speak Thanks. soon. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Mal. And coming up in the next few days, we'll do a podcast on dividends. So uh, Mal mentioned during that chat that uh, there's been a bit happening with uh, bank dividends. So we'll update you on that and we'll have a look at another way that you can supplement your dividend income um, in the interim period. Um, so that'll be a podcast coming up over the next couple of days. Um, in closing, look, there's lots of people listening to this podcast now in stage four lockdown, including me. Good luck to everyone as they enter this challenging period. Um, hopefully everyone does the right thing and we'll nail this thing and we'll have some reasons to celebrate in six weeks' time. From a financial perspective, of course, your ELNC Bailey Advisor continues to work from home and is available to you. Um, so please stay in touch with them to get all our latest thoughts um, from a research perspective um, as well as everything else. So please stay in touch with your advisor. So in closing, I wish you all the best over this coming period and I will speak to you soon. You have been listening to The Value Podcast. The information in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. You should not rely on general advice without making your own inquiries or your own assessments about the suitability of the financial products or services mentioned.